Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. If you got your notes with you, go ahead and grab them out or take them out and we'll be able to fill some blanks in. If you're more on the digital side, you can tap that disc in front of you for really any resources you need. But one of the main ones there is our Sunday message notes on the YouVersion Bible app that you can follow along. But we've been in a collection of talks. Believe it or not, we're finishing October 2023, which is crazy to think about. We got November coming up, which is really exciting. But we've been in a collection of talks all month called Why We Believe What We Believe. If it's your first time here at Local City, one of the things that we do is for the whole month, we kind of theme our conversation around one thing. And this whole collection of talks came from really Easter. So Easter, what we do is we survey the whole church. And one of the survey questions is, what would you like to know about? And so we did, we've done two talks all centered around that. One of them was, how do I go deeper in my faith? And the second thing you guys wrote down was, how do I know what I believe is true? Or why do we believe what we believe? And what we've been doing is unpacking this thing called the Apostles' Creed. And the Apostles' Creed is essentially taking the million words of the Bible down to close to 100 words that you see up on the screen. I don't know about you, but I was always a person in school that was very much like this in class settings, where I would raise my hand and say, hey, is this going to be on the test? Because if it's not, why are you telling us, right? Like, like I would be, I, okay, cool. Especially if the teacher would even say, you don't need to know this for the final exam. Okay, tune out immediately, right? That's why I'm giving you a little, you know, insight into the type of student I was, right? And so really what the Apostles' Creed is, is was the apostles, the early church leaders saying, hey, this is what's going to be on the test. These are the hundred words that you got to know. We've been walking through this essentially line by line or stanza by stanza. Here's what it says. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. One of the things the apostles wanted us to remember is that God characterizes himself as a father, that he's the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, God's only son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. About to celebrate that as we get closer to Christmas. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, and he descended to the dead. But on the third day, he rose again. Can I get an amen? Somebody excited that he rose again. Then he didn't just rise, he ascended to heaven. And now he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. That was last week. And the whole last lines here is what we're talking about today. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now, before you begin to question why Catholic is in there, just so you know, the translation is the word pretty much eternal or full. It's pretty much saying like, I believe in the full understanding of the church, which I'm going to tell you today. So maybe you had a good upbringing in a specific denomination or a bad one. This is really about the capital C church. Remember I was meeting with someone uh, for coffee this week and I always make sure to pray over the pe people I meet with because man, we could always use, always use some more prayer in our life. And I said, amen, and, and he did this thing. And he's like, oh man, I'm so sorry, I, I just had a habit. I'm like, it's okay, man. Like that's not a bad thing. Like it's how we grow up. But really what we're talking about today is understanding that denominations were a man thing, but the church is a God thing. And so we're talking about the unified church, the communion of the saints. Communion is what we just did during baptism, celebrating that people have been saved because of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins. Turn to the person next to you, tell them, hey, you're forgiven. Just let them know. 
Maybe you need to tell your spouse, I forgive you for the argument this morning or whatever it was, right? And why can I forgive you? Because I've been forgiven by God through Jesus. The resurrection of the body. Again, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. The old has gone, the new has come. I'm alive and life everlasting, meaning that our life is not just about the physical years that we have here on earth. There is an eternity. And how we live our physical years will impact our spiritual eternal years, just so you know. We don't shy away from that. There is an afterlife. And we're all bound for two destinations, with God or apart from God. And the only way that we stand with God is because of Jesus. And the only way that we can get through this life encouraged and fulfilled is because of the place that we're in right now. So the title of today's message is, Will You Come to Church With Me? Will you come to church with me? I believe, for me, that's a statement that changed my life. When I was 13 years old, my friend in sixth grade looked at me and said, hey man, I'm going to youth group tonight. Will you come to church with me? I'll give you a ride. There's pizza there, there's girls there, come on. I'm like, all right, 13-year-old boy, I'll be there, all right? What I didn't know was what got me there wasn't what was gonna keep me there. What kept me there was me looking around to a room of 13 or 14-year-olds, seeing them lifting their hands, shouting out to God. And I remember having this moment, my first or second Wednesday night there, saying, God, if you're real and this is the life that you have, I want everything that you have. And so I just kept showing up week after week. The, the secrecy of how I got here in my life is just I kept showing up, kept showing up, kept going to church because that question changed my life. And I would encourage you. If you're a believer in here, if you call local city home, this should be a question you're asking someone every single week. Will you come to church with me? And we should be excited about it. I've begun to realize in my life that sometimes we get excited about one thing and someone has a totally different concept of it. I've learned this watching football with my wife, Adrian. Now, you know, I can't go a Sunday without saying Florida State is still undefeated. Come on, somebody, all the righteous people out there know what's up. I'm praying for... Uh, praying for you Gators after yesterday. That's all I'll say, that's all I'll say right there. I was a, it was a happy day in the Miller household across the board, just gonna let you know that. Um, please keep coming if you're a Florida fan. Uh, um, but when I go back to what I'm saying, when I've been watching football with Adrian, every time, like whether it would be Florida State or the Bucks would score a touchdown and they do the big rally, like I'd be so excited, like look them on, they just score, they're so excited. And she would always say this, she'd say, man, I bet it smells so bad in that huddle right now. <laughs> like all these sweaty guys like gathering together. So I can tell like there's a total different reaction where I'm like, yes, look at this. And she's like, ew, that probably smells, right? And I feel like in a much more serious sense, when I say the word church, some of us are like, yes, the church has saved my life. But some of you are like, ew, I've had some rough experiences with that, with the church. Can I encourage you, if you've experienced church hurt, which I, I have as well, uh, it, was, it was people that did that. And guess what? We're not perfect. I've heard it said before, if you ever find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. We're not perfect. We're messed up people. But it doesn't mean that the church is still not God's intention to reach the lost world. The bro a broken and hurting world needs God's church. And we need this. So that's, that statement should bring excitement to us because I know what the church has done for me. Listen, Jesus saved me. But the church... What Jesus gave his life for has helped sustain me through everything that I've been through. And so what we see in Acts chapter two, when the church is getting born, essentially, Jesus has conquered death. He's risen to heaven, like it says in the Apostles' Creed. And here's what began to happen. The church just began to explode through the disciples and the apostles. And here's what it says. It says, they worshiped together at the temple each day. I need you to look at that phrase. It wasn't just Sunday. They were worshiping at the temple every single day. 
And then they met in homes for the Lord's Supper where they came around a table and said, hey, I need prayer. You need me, I need you, we need each other. They shared meals with great, what? Great joy. I don't know about you, but great joy was not how I would describe how I grew up as a little kid in church. But now, everything that we do at Local City, we want it to be marked, just like you saw during baptism, with two things. Great joy, like this is awesome. The life that I have is a gift. I am blessed. I am strengthened and encouraged by God. So maybe Monday through Saturday might be very difficult right now, but Sunday, there's great joy in the house, because guess what? God is still good. Jesus is still on the throne. And man, we're in this together. Come on, if you're thankful for that, let's get leaned in today generosity while they were what? Praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. I mean, yes, we do all the Sunday fun day stuff for excitement, but really we want you to know that the church is about goodwill. We want to care for you. We want to serve you. And what did God, what did God do? Each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. Just to tell you where we're at as local city church, we believe that the church should grow. We believe that more and more people should be leaned into church, that we should be inviting people into church, that God wants our church to grow, both deep and wide. Deep means we're going deeper into our spiritual life, but wide means we're reaching more and more people. A statement that we're gonna lean into more and more here at Local City is that each one of us would reach that one lost person in our life that needs Jesus. And I'm telling you, it's the most fulfilling thing. Because here's the idea about the church. Write this down for me. It's that we believe the church isn't a building, It's people. And when each of those people knows who they are and what they believe, what we spent this whole month talking about, they can achieve incredible things, period. No, it's not what it says. It says they can achieve incredible things together. We only achieve what God intended together. We only live the life that Jesus gave us, the full life that he wants to give you and I together. And my hope today is that whether it's your first time or maybe this is a sporadic thing for you, that you would lean in to being in God's house consistently and together. As I was studying in Acts chapter two and thinking about the early church, I wrote this down in my journal, maybe it'll help you today. It says the first century believers desperately needed each other and they knew it. Believers today desperately need each other and they've forgotten it. I need you, you need me and we need, we need each other. And so I'm excited to talk about today because again, Jesus saved my life, but the church changed my life. And it's what Jesus gave his life for. And so I encourage you that maybe you have some notions or conceptions about church, some past hurts or things that you're just dealing with. Can I ask you just as a request to put that on the back burner right now, to put it aside and just lean in to the church that God intended, to the capital C church that Jesus gave his life for. You bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, we're so thankful for the church. We're so thankful for what you did 2,000 years ago and what you're doing today. That what the apostles started, we're still doing. And so God, as we lean into why we believe what we believe, we would hold on to the truth that the church is something we have to have in our life. God, we love you today. I pray that all of us would listen and lean in and truly open our hearts. God, I pray for all of our kids next door and local city kids. Help them as they're growing up, love the church as well and fall in love with you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us today. Speak to our hearts and our minds about where we're at with this thing called church and how we can trust it a little bit more, take a step closer to it and into it. And God, we're so thankful that you're with us. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. We all say amen, amen. Do me a favor, give a shout for everybody watching for Church Online today. So glad that you're with us. It's gonna be a great time together. 
I, lo- I love talking about this concept, and I love leaning into just what God intended when it comes to the church. And so let me give you a little Bible knowledge really quick. Again, I believe these whole collection of talks have been centered around why we believe what we believe. So why do we believe in the church? Well, because the church has talked about a ton in the New Testament. One of the main themes after Jesus gives his life and ascends to heaven is how the church began to take over the world, how the church began to grow. A lot of the New Testament outside of the Gospels is written to either churches or leaders of churches. So the church is important. Turn to the person next to you, tell them, hey, today is important. Let them know, today is important. Give a little elbow if they fall asleep, all that good stuff. Let them know today is important. Church online, today is important. And there's this word that the New Testament uses over a hundred times. Maybe you've heard it before. And I want to give you the simplicity of its definition today, and that's ecclesia. And ecclesia simply means those God called out and those who God called together. I need you to understand that God is constantly calling you. And he's not calling you like that needy boyfriend who just wants to hear your voice. It's not who he is. (laughs) Maybe you've had those in your life. Maybe you've been those in your life. But the thing is with God is he's calling you because he knows that you need him. He's calling you because he knows the life that he has for you. He's calling you because as your heavenly father, he so desperately wants to be with you. But I think in our journey as Christians and as believers, we've stopped at just that. We've said that, okay, God just has called me out of my old life and into something new. And that's only half true. God never calls you out of, maybe write this down today, it's not in your notes, but God never calls you out of something without calling you to something. Why? Because he knows that when he calls you out, you're going to need a destination. You're going to need a direction to go. You're going to need something that you're looking towards. And we know that first thing is the example of Jesus. Scripture says, follow Jesus, be, be, live, at, live up to his example, not in trying to be perfect, but it's understanding that Jesus is the one who leads us and guides us and helps us. But he, God just didn't call us out. He called us together. He called us to live this life in community. Let me just tell you, Jesus could have lived this life alone, but he didn't, because he knew that in Genesis 1, what did God say? It's not good for us to be alone. We need each other. The very first problem in all of God's creation was not sin, it was isolation. It was the fact that man was just trying to do it on his own and take care of all this. And Jesus knew when he was setting up the example of what it meant to live this life to the full, he surrounded himself with 12 guys, and guess what? These guys were not that great. Read the Gospels. You'll get frustrated with these disciples. It'll take you about two chapters to get frustrated with this guy named Peter, because he's always just saying silly things, or doing silly things. One of those guys that Jesus surrounded himself with betrayed him, literally sold him to the people trying to kill him. But at all times, Jesus continued to pour into these disciples to let them know that we are changing the world together. He led them to baptize people. He gave them authority to perform miracles. He washed their feet, even Judas' feet, who was going to betray him. So for some of us, we're we're staying on the outside and we're putting a period there and not stepping into how God has called us together because of what someone did to us. Can I tell you, someone betrayed Jesus. They hurt him incredibly, but he still gave his life for this thing. He still was devoted to it, and so were the disciples. One of my favorite instances in Scripture is when Jesus tells his disciples, his small little church community that he's starting, 
He tells them, hey, I've got to go die so that you can live. And Peter, being Peter, says, absolutely not. We will never let that happen. And what does Jesus say? He doesn't console him. He doesn't comfort him with some gentle authority. He says, get behind me, Satan. I don't know if you had anyone call you Satan before. It's not a term of endearment. And imagine if the Son of God calls you that. But here's what I love about Peter, and I think what a lot of us can learn. What does Peter do the next day? He doesn't go run to a counselor. I'm not now just hear what I'm saying. He doesn't go run to a counselor or to therapy. He doesn't not show up and say, they're just so mean to me. He's still there, following Jesus, because he understood this decision of where else am I going to go? Some of us, again, maybe Jesus didn't call us Satan, but someone in the church or something happened where you're like, eh. Maybe you gave your life to it for a while, and maybe you just felt like God was going to do things, and it went a different way, and you just said, "Uh uh-uh, not anymore. But can I just tell you that that doesn't change the fact that you have been called together. Regardless of what has happened to me or how I felt or maybe how I've been betrayed, it doesn't change the fact that God has called me out and called me together. We have to understand that. What does Peter say later on, though? Again, I'm not going to hash Peter the whole time because he did some great stuff. Here's what he says in his book when he's writing to the leaders of the church throughout all the world. He says, you're not like that, for you're a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and what? Into something, into his wonderful light. And he's building on what Jesus taught him when he said, hey, you are the light of the world. A city that is placed on a hill cannot be hidden. Can I tell you, the church is the city that God has established to shine the goodness and grace that he offers to people, to shine to this on our community that Jesus loves them and gave their life for him. And he's alive, he's alive today and just wants to celebrate with them that he can forgive them and restore them and redeem them. You're a chosen people, local city. Doesn't say you're a chosen person, because we only realize it when we realize that God called us out and then called us together. If you leave with one word today, and they ask you tomorrow at work, hey, what'd you talk about at church? I don't know, but that guy said the word together over and over again. So I think I need to be in community. And there's no substitute for church community. I'll say it this way before we continue on. I've said it a lot when we talk about healthy relationships and healthy friendships. I need you to know that people outside this room Maybe they're not believers. Maybe they're not churchgoers. Listen, they can be there for you. But what I need in my life, and as I've learned and grown and matured, is that I, need, I don't just need faithful friends. I need faith-filled friends. People who will look at me and not just coddle me and comfort me and say, hey, if that's what you want to do, go do it. I'm sorry. I need friends who say, Ryan, don't do that. That's not good. There is this popular belief right now in the church, and again, everything should be done with grace and kindness, but there, there is this popular belief right now that as followers of Jesus, we have said, well, who am I to tell them how to live their life? You're the perfect person, tell them. Because Jesus told me how to live my life, and I'm learning from him. And so I should, again, in grace and kindness, let someone know, hey, that's not what God has for you. That's not the life God created you for. Here's what you need to do. You need to trust him again. You need to get back into this community. You need to let that, not stop letting that unforgiveness or that hurt or that bitterness from the past define your life. I just gotta tell you, like, there's good news that we have. And I like to share good news. And we should share that with our friends. 
Now again, you gotta earn the right to do it. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, we know that. But as I'm talking about this Christian life, we've gotta realize a few things. Number one, the first thing I want you to write down is that again, it's not you that saves people, it's God that saves people. Everything that we do on Sundays and in the church is about helping you experience God. You'll see it everywhere. If you go to a party with a pastor today, you'll see it, the first thing. How can we help you experience God? Because our God is a God who saves. Here's what it says in Psalm 68. Praise the Lord, praise God our Savior, for each day he carries us in his arms. I'm thankful for that because I need him to carry me each day. Life's hard. Got two kids, five and one. Woo! I need some carrying sometimes. As I'm carrying those kids, I need God to carry me. My grandma, maybe you've heard this before, my grandma had this picture in her house, and it was the poem Footprints in the Sand. And if you ever, if you ever knew this poem, it's, you see two footprints on the beach, and this, pretty much the whole poem goes, well, how come sometimes in life, God, there was only one, foot of footprint, one set of footprints, and God says, it was in those times that I carried you. Can I tell you it's okay for God to carry you? It's okay to allow yourself to be carried? Why? Because our God is a God who what? Saves. The sovereign Lord rescues us from death. God wants to save you. God wants to save you. God wants to help you. God wants to be there for you. And all we gotta do is invite him in. And he wants to save and help the lost friends and family that we have. See, I think right now, culturally, and maybe even in the church, we're all about this idea of if it's good for me, it's good. Whatever I wanna do, that's my life. I've chosen my identity. It's not about my created identity, whatever you wanna say. And we begin to seek a life that is not what God intended. We begin to seek a life that we just, it's all about me, it's about my success, it's about my person. But I love this, this quote that I read from a pastor named Craig Rochelle who wrote down in a book all about mental health and relationships in the church. He said, seeking a life where we're not needed or known, we're intentionally pursuing a life that destroys our mental health and robs us of real joy and lasting commitment. One of the things, I've been in ministry for a long time now, and one of the things I've seen in people's life is they've come to church, uh, and they've come to church and they've prayed, God, I just pray that you would use me. God, I want you to use me in a powerful way. And he begins to. And then a few months later, those, I see this, that person not show up as much anymore. And I say, hey, what's going on? And they said, oh, I just, feel, I just feel so used. That's what you prayed for. Like, we're supposed to live this life a little bit full, a little bit fast, a little bit doing a lot. This is what God created us for. Can I tell you, Jesus, he never lived his life in a hurry, but he lived his life with a ton of intention. And if we're seeking a life where we're not needed by others or not even known by others, that's not the life God has for you. If you're keeping all your secrets bottled up, they're gonna destroy you. If you're living a life that's all about how you can serve yourself and not how you can serve others, that's gonna destroy you. And sometimes it's about just understanding that, man, my life is about moving, it's about intention, and sometimes it's that very direction and purpose and divine alignment in my life that keeps me, keeps me rooted and grounded. How does God save us? By giving us a community where we can be known and do some stuff. Like, that's kind of important. Like, Jesus throughout his whole life, what was he doing? He was building the disciples who then would build the church. They were going around healing people. They were going around praying for people. They were not afraid of what might happen to them. They were doing the work of God and building the kingdom. And there's nothing better to give your life to. It's awesome. It's worth it, can I just tell you? Because I know that what God has saved his people, and he wants to lean into that. My fear is that some of us, we've forgotten this and we've allowed the craziness of life to push us away. I remember, um, I used to watch this car show all the time called Top Gear, maybe you've heard of it. And I remember one time one of the hosts was pra practice test driving an F1 car, which is like the fastest race car. 
And he was going around all these curves and he kept spinning out in the curves. Like in the straightaways, he was doing great, but in the curves, he kept spinning out. And he went to some of the professional race car drivers who were trying to help him. And he said, what's going on? Why do I keep spinning out in the curves? And they told him this, well, you're slowing down too much. Because what happens in a race car is the faster you go is you get this thing called downforce that keeps you stuck to the track so that your tires can grip the road and you can actually turn. I feel like some of us, because of the, the fear of either getting used or doing too much or you know, maybe trying to heal from some past hurts from the church that we have, we've slowed down going into the curves of life and we're spinning out. And God's like, hey, I know. I got, I, listen, Sabbath is great, but it's one day a week, all right? <laughs> It's not six and one. Right? It's one day and the six rest, you gotta do some stuff. And the church is the best place to do some stuff. The church is the best place to move fast and live exciting because that's what will hold us down. And realize that God saved me and so he is the one, listen, God saved you, so he is the one who gets to send your life where it needs to go. Second thing is, what does God do? He doesn't save people, then he adds people. What does it say in Acts 2? And each day the Lord added to their fellowship. He called them out of their old life, they gave their life to Jesus, and then the immediate thing God did was add them to their fellowship. Two things here. God is interested in the numbers of the church, reaching more people. A few verses before it says, and God added 3,000 people to the church that day. God wants to add people. God wants to invite people into his house. God, want, well, God wants us to bring people into this house so they can experience and know him. It's the second thing. If it was all about just getting saved, we'd say, Jesus, I give you my life, and in a moment, beam me up, Scotty, we'd be up with God in heaven. It's not about that. It's about, I've saved you. What does the apostle Paul say? You haven't, not, you haven't been saved for your own freedom. You've been saved to live free so that you can serve others and help them see the goodness of God. Let me give you a quote that might hit you right between the eyes, but it's really good, and it really hit me there. From a pastor named Dave Patterson, he says this, there is no such thing as a healthy Christian who lives isolated from God's church. Just gotta tell you that. Can I be real with the Christians in here? If you don't have, and here is what it means to have a relationship with the church. Consistent and contributing. And I'll get to that in a second, but I just want to let you know, there is no such thing as a healthy Christian who lives isolated from God's church. It doesn't work. Jesus gave his life for this, and so we give our life for it. And when you do that, God begins to pour out blessing into your life more so than you could even imagine. That's why we want to make it easy to join this community. We used to do a long, like, you know, couple weeks membership track and all that stuff. We got rid of that, and today, we're just throwing a party called Party With Me, Party With a Pastor, because I want to tell you about the church, because I'm so excited about it. I want to tell you about what God's done in people's lives, because he want, he's done it in them, and he can do it in you. One of my favorite disciples is a guy by the name of Andrew. Andrew followed John the Baptist, and when John the Baptist said, hey, stop following me, follow Jesus, Andrew went and followed Jesus, and he went and grabbed his brother Peter and said, hey, this is the guy that we've been waiting for. Let's go learn about him and give our life to him, and then you never hear about Andrew again. I love that. I love that the one thing that he did was bring Peter to Jesus, and that's all that mattered. That's, I mean, again, my life is just, hey, this guy, he lived for a while, he, he built this cool little church with his wife because of the power of God, some awesome people, and man, he brought some people to Jesus, period, that was it. That's, all, that's, all, that's great. Yeah, led my wife well, led my family well, awesome. But right after that would be, and he brought some people to Jesus, period, I don't need any more accolades. And neither do you. 
And it's okay to build things outside of this, but the focus has to be building God's house as the final authority and goal. Because God adds people to this house. Third thing is this, how the Christian life works is that God constantly redeems people. What does the prophet Isaiah say? This is the word of the Lord. He says, I've swept away offenses like a cloud. Your sins like the morning mist, meaning they go away. Return to who? Return to God. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. I love redemption. It's the only thing you find in, I mean, it's the, the most, one of the most powerful things you find in Christianity that you can't find anywhere else. The fact that my past has now been redeemed. That's your testimony. What does it say in Revelation? That the church began to overcome by what? By the blood of the lamb, the power of Jesus, and the power of their testimony, what Jesus has done in their life. What God redeemed in me is being a kid that throughout the majority of his life was afraid of his own shadow and would do anything to be accepted. And then God got a hold of my life, and now I get to do this, which I never thought possible, and the only way I can do this is because of the redemption power of Jesus. As someone who struggled with, with things like addiction and, and the redemption power of Jesus has broken those chains on me so that I can live free and help someone else live free. You see, in your mind right now, you may have all these things that are keeping you from God, or you have all these things. You're like, but what about this? But what about that? Can I tell you? God can, Jesus can, and will redeem it. And I'm just going to tell you, redemption is such a powerful thing. To realize, wait, my life's not over. I didn't screw it up. I have another chance. God can redeem that stuff that, was, that I did or that was done to me. Yes. Redemption is something that God is all, every single Sunday, God redeems us in some way. Whether we had a great week or a terrible week, whether we're going through something, God brings redemption. Why? Because when we return to him, which is what we do on Sundays, we return again to God, say, God, I need you. It's the first day of the week. He brings redemption. I want that for your life. Because the enemy is going to try and define you by your past, by your problems, by your mistakes. I don't know about you, but sometimes the first thing I wake up thinking is like some random mistake I made like 10 years ago. I just can't, I can't, can't sweat it. I can't get rid of it. It's just always there. But I remind the enemy is, hey, I've been redeemed of that, bro. And it doesn't destroy me. It doesn't define me. My heart is that we would have individuals here at local city that come together and realize, yeah, that was my past. But the best is yet to come in my future because of Jesus. It's been redeemed. It's been given back to me because Jesus purchased it. It's been given back to me because of the sovereign authority power of my heavenly father. He placed it in my hands again. Sometimes in our house, you know, we, we, have, we practice this concept called toy jail. Have you ever heard of toy jail? Works really well if you have kids. So Shepard may be praying, he's our five-year-old, he may be playing with a toy, and he may be getting a little rough with it, or he's got a favorite toy, and to bring, you know, a little bit of correction and discipline into our house, we say, hey, if, if you're going to keep doing that, we're going to have to put that toy in toy jail, and toy jail is the mantle of the fireplace because he's too short to reach it. Works great. Um, and so we put it in there for a little while. And then, then when he gets it back, he's so excited because he realized his parents are redeeming a mistake that he made in the past, and they're putting something back in his hands. And I encourage you, at some point, you're like, you were holding on to your life like this, and we messed it up, we broke it, or the enemy attacked us and began to destroy our life because that's what he says, I've come, the thief has come to kill and destroy your life. And it needed to go away for a little bit, maybe. It needed, to be, it needed to kind of go through some things. But I wanted to tell you today, it's available to you, or this has happened in your life. Jesus said, hey, I'm bringing it down off the mantle. I'm putting it back in your hands. So why don't you go live like I created you? Why don't you live full and forgiven and set free? I have redeemed you. As we begin to finish up, what's it say in Psalm 92? But the godly, the church, will flourish like palm trees and grow. We know palm trees here in Florida. 
and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For why? They are planted in the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. If you could circle a word for me on that verse on your notes, I would encourage you to circle the word planted. I'm not a, necessarily a plant garden planter, but I understand that you have to do a few things for it to thrive. You have to plant it in the ground. You've got to put a seed in there, and it's got to stay planted. It's got to go through some breaking processes. It's got to be watered and cultivated. And then when it begins to grow, it's got to receive some sunshine. Like, look at this picture of this little potted plant that I have for you. Pretty much the first one that comes up on Google Images. Works great. But if I were trying to cultivate this plant, and I was, this, and I, and I was trying to cultivate it and grow it, you know what I wouldn't do? It's in the pot there. Every time something inconvenient happens, or every time something I don't agree with happens, or every time it's a little bit of hard work to keep cultivating this thing, I rip it out of where it's putting roots and place it somewhere else. And I keep ripping it out and ripping it out. That, again, is a lot of people's approach to church. Where the pastor says something you disagree with, or something happens that you, that you get hurt by. Listen, we're people, we're not perfect. I promise you, I'll say something that you're going to disagree with. I'll say something that might be a little harsh. We may forget some things. It's because we're not perfect, but we try the hardest we can. But what happens is, is that when that happens in a church, our first reaction is, well, time to rip it out and go plant it somewhere else. And the more you do that, the more your plant dies. The more its potential is limited. Can I encourage you, whether it's local city or whatever church you find, stop thinking in the terms of months and years, but thinking, where's a place I can plant for a decade? Does that overwhelm you? It should. But, it's, but this is a big decision. I have a five-year-old. I want to see him grow to 15 here in this house. I want to see him baptized one day. And if I never had that approach, man, I would be taking this a lot less seriously. My approach was, ah, you know, maybe I'll be there in, in six months. Maybe I'll be doing this a year from now. One of the greatest things one of my overseers told me when we were planting this church was, hey, Ryan, it's not about whether or not you can go live in a cool city like Tampa. Can you die there? I was like, that's a great question. <laughs> I think so, yeah. And he's like, then you'll be all right. See, we have this idea of like abbreviated commitments. Like until it's hard or until, you know, it, it doesn't do for me what I want it to do, I'm done with it. I would encourage you, if it's local city or a capital C church somewhere, if we're not your cup of tea, man, I can send you to some great pastors to find what you're looking for because you cannot live healthy Christian life isolated from the church, but you also can't live it where you're just ripping yourself out all the time. You gotta be planted. You, when you're planted, you flourish. So as we close today, and the band comes up as we finish up, let me give you three commitments to make as we close. And I just want you to pray about these things. I want you to lean into these things. And if it's your first time, and I invite you to really think about this. So my commitment to the church is, number one, is understanding that I am the church when I'm at the church. I am the church when I'm at the church. And I just want you to know that there's just no substitute for being in the room. It's pretty much that simple. There's no substitute for worshiping together in a community. Now, we have church online as a resource for you to stay connected. And if you're watching, man, we love you. But if you're able, there's nothing like being here. And I would say that we need to graduate in our commitment to church to things not so much, well, if we're free on Sunday, we'll go, to no, no, we're going, and we're doing something afterwards. Like, this is on the calendar. This is something we are committed to, because I am the church when I'm at the church. 
We can say a lot of things about our past generations, but I tell you one thing that my parents' generation got right and their parents, you're gonna be in church on Sunday. <laughs> now again, they're not perfect people and we know that, but you're gonna be in church on Sunday. I was there, tucked in, collared shirt, ready to go. My one yellow collared shirt, I wore it every Sunday, but I was there. My parents were going, because that's what their parents did. But I tell you what, my boys, we're gonna be in church on Sunday, boys. We're gonna be here. Not just because we're the pastors, because this is our life. And man, I'm telling you, some of the greatest things I've seen right now is the joy on their, on their face when they walk into this house. Because they know it's church day. And they're the church when they're at the church. You wanna grow your kids the right way? Plant them right here. I am the church when I'm at the church. The second thing is, is understanding as we go to a deeper commitment is that I don't belong to me. I belong to Jesus and I belong to you. In Acts chapter two, it says, it doesn't say they devoted themselves to themselves. They devoted themselves to their own care. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to each other. They devoted themselves to goodwill, caring for those around them. I just gotta tell you, your life doesn't belong to you. My life doesn't belong to me. Because what does it say? And now again, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, awesome. I mean, not awesome, but you can do whatever you want. But I just wanna tell you, the only way to live and the only way to forgiveness and freedom is through Jesus. And when you've given your life to Jesus, he says that I have bought your life at a cost. And now we belong to him. And I'm actually kind of thankful for that. I'm actually kind of thankful that I belong to Jesus because guess what? If I belonged to me, I'd have to figure everything out. One of the greatest things my boys know, my five-year-old, my one-year-old, is they know that mom and dad own the house, so they got to take care of it. <laughs> they got to clean up. They, you know, they, they belong to us, so we got to put stuff, food in the fridge and in the cabinets. They don't, they don't walk through with a stress of life of whether or not they're going to have what they need. They have what they need because they belong to us. You will have what you need when you realize you belong to Jesus. And you will have what you need and you will live that encouraged and fulfilled life free from anxiety and depression and fear when you realize I belong to Jesus and I belong to his church helping other people. The third thing is, is I will use my gifts and talents to build something eternal. Listen, you're gifted. You're talented. We got people on the stage. We got people watching kids. We got people taking pictures, people making coffee and, and, and hosting you because they're gifted and talented in these things. And they're gifted and talented to build what? Something eternal. Listen, you can accomplish a lot in the natural. You can accomplish a lot on your own. But when it comes to the supernatural, man, that only happens here. That only happens with the power of the Holy Spirit. That only happens when our, our life is surrendered to Jesus. So make the, if you, I would ask you to pray about those commitments. Where are you at? You just, I mean, I just gotta commit to be at church again. One church. I don't want you church hopping, because that hopping ain't healthy, all right? Plant it. Find a place where you can put down roots and make that long commitment, that long stride, wherever it is. Maybe, this, maybe you have to realize, you know, I don't belong to me, I belong to Jesus, and I wanna live my life to help others. And I promise you when you do that, you'll live out that verse in Ephesians that says God will do more than you could possibly ask or imagine. The third thing is, is I'll use my gifts and talents to build something eternal. Some of you, man, you got some gifts and talents inside of you and the enemy loves that you're sitting on them. The enemy loves that you're only using them Monday through Saturday and not using them in God's house. Man, we're building something eternal here. We're building something that is going to help our city and community be close to Jesus, not just one year or 10 years from now, but to be closer to Jesus 100 years from now. Man, I love the church. 
I love the fact that someone asked me, would you come to church with me? And I experienced God. And I ask you, local city, not only would you come to church with me, but would you be the church with me? Would you realize that we are a people who are committed, who belong to Jesus? We know who we are, we know what we believe, and we are ready to live out the creed of the apostles to help people know and experience God and the freedom and forgiveness that Jesus offers. I want to get to the end of, my, end of my life knowing that it was a full life, that it moved fast in the corners, but I knew it was God keeping me down and planted in those moments. And if you run this race, man, I, probably, I promise it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. You get to celebrate three lives giving their life to Jesus. So much joy in the house. I want you to know that, man, you're the church. It's the best thing. The world's crazy, <laughs> chaotic always needs the church. Everything else will let people down, but the church never will because it's the body of Christ. Jesus bought it. He purchased it. He's at the center of it all and he'll never let us down. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we kind of end in this quiet moment? Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.